This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Monday PFTOT week 14 is done. We got plenty of things to get to that we didn't get to during the two hours that we were on NBCSN. But let's begin with the game of the year because yeah. there's still some things to unpack. And we touched on this a little bit, but I want to focus on it. Okay. 48 to 46 final score. Exciting game. Right. Too high scoring. Yeah. How concerned should the 49ers and the Saints be about their defenses based upon what they did or didn't do on Sunday? I don't think they need to be that concerned. One, I think those are really one of the two or three offenses that maybe could even do that to them in football is right there. So I don't think it's a big picture problem for either one. Uh, I, I really don't. I still think the 49ers and Saints are still one of the better defenses in football. Um, I think this was just one of those days, one, where you know a big matchup and two guys and Sean Payton and Kyle Shanahan who just knew uh, they were playing a really good football team, knew they were playing a really good play caller on the other side, and that ad added to them more wrinkles, more creativity. We got to push the limit in this football game, and it kind of went from there. I would not be shocked if they played in the NFC Championship game and it went back to like 23-20, something like that. I don't think – I think this is one of these things that both of these teams will learn from, but I think it's the first, first time all year these defenses have had to play really, really high-octane offenses, and uh, I'm not necessarily concerned with the defenses overall. We've seen the Saints give up 28, yeah. 27. Right. 27. Yeah, they're real little. They held the Cowboys lately. to 10. They yeah. gave up 24 to the Bucks. Right. They had that 13-6 game against the Jaguars that really is the outlier here. 25 to the Bears. It was a lot of garbage time points there. They blew out the Cardinals 31-9. They lost at home to the Falcons, giving up 26. 17 to the Bucks on the road, which is impressive because the Bucks are capable of scoring 40 in a game. 31 to the Panthers. 18 to the Falcons, and now 48 to the 49ers. Yeah. A I think I'm more concerned with them. I'm more than the concerned 49ers. with the Saints. Yeah. yeah, because I I also think that the 49ers offense is less prone to sputtering than the Saints. I feel like the 49ers are always going to get their points. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And even against so the Ravens weapons. in the in the rain, they got 17 points. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's so many weapons right now in the 49ers offense. We know Shanahan's awesome, but, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo playing well. He can push the ball down the field. But then when you take in Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuels, Bourne, Kittle, Mostert, uh, uh, Brita, you just go, holy cow. I mean, who do you stop on that offense? So I'm with you there. The, the Saints defense as of late has, and I've said this on my podcast a little bit, it has scared me a little. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think their biggest problem is in certain situations, they just can't trust their secondary to play man-to-man. -man. Marshawn Lattimore is the only guy they can really trust in those situations. P.J. Williams, Eli Apple, uh, as we saw, you know, Gardner Johnson trying to cover George Kittle on the fourth and two. You know, they're just not good enough man-to-man -man corners to make stops on third and four or third and five against the really good quality offenses in football. And that's when you need to play man-to-man -man, is in those situations. So you take away those short type of passing plays and things like that. So I'm definitely more concerned with the Saints defense, but not as a whole because I just look at it and I go, you know, 
these are two elite, elite offenses with two really elite head coaches, and I just don't know if there's a lot of them out there to be able to expose either one of these defenses like that again. One other wrinkle we haven't discussed from yeah. that game, Weston Richburg starting oh, center. Oh, that hurts. Injured, and Kyle Shanahan said after the game, it doesn't look like it's going to be good. Yeah, I haven't seen buckled, anything. Right. I haven't seen anything specific, but, yeah, carted off, and when the coach says something like that, that means the preliminary – evaluation by the doctors has resulted in that, you know, they're concerned. You know, we had all the time, oh, they're concerned he has a torn ACL, and and uh, that's going to be the worry. It is. Um, it's a huge position for that offense. Yes. Yeah. Why? Well, because it's, it's Shanahan asks a lot of his center. You know, we know the run game and the inside-outside zone. You need to be very athletic. Think about it this way. When Kyle Shanahan was with the Atlanta Falcons, one of the first things they did in free agency was get Alex Mack, right? Uh, because, hey, they're going to throw screens, they're going to run on the edge, and, of course, they're going to run up the middle too so you need to have a, a center that's very versatile that way and Weston Richburg's one of the better ones in football they paid him a lot of money they paid him like he's one of the best one out there so uh, that's a that is a blow to their team because their offensive line is really where it all starts and Shanahan through the run game and everything he does there now the kid they got uh, I think it's Ben Garland 63 he comes in he's not a bad player he was in Atlanta with Shanahan there too so understands the system and all that but Weston Richburg's a pretty special talent at the center position and they have overcome injuries all year long they've made no excuses yep. right they've got that right attitude which right. is next man up and no excuses and we're not going to feel badly for ourselves but they have gotten through that they've gotten to this record of 11 and 2 with George Kittle missing time yeah with other key players missing time right. Joe Staley missed weeks right. and then he missed more time this week D Ford's yeah. been gone Mike McGlinchey's been gone right. Kyle Juszczyk's been gone right it's amazing and they it just is. keep it rolling they just keep it going but yep. uh, and I think they will keep it going and you're right I think it's going to be 49ers Saints in the NFC championship game the question is will it be in New Orleans or in San Francisco yeah. either way though and, and the other point we made I mean I know it's important to have home field advantage but in that Saints Seahawks 49ers round robin they've all played each other and the home teams are 0 3. Right. So maybe home field advantage. Where do the be Packers fit into there? Which is crazy because they're the number two seed. Yeah, right? the Packers. Yeah, the Packers. They're below them. Right. But look at what happened to the Packers when they played the I know, 49ers. I know. In in Santa Clara. You're right. And I think that yeah, I don't think the Packers would fare much better if they're in New Orleans or in Seattle either. That would scare me. The New England Patriots have lost two in a row, and they are literally and figuratively on to Cincinnati. The Bengals are up next in Cincinnati. It was that blowout loss to the Chiefs in September of 2014 that caused Bill Belichick to coin that famous phrase. It was a Sunday night back when the Bengals were good. Cincinnati came to New England, and New England destroyed them. We keep waiting for that now. We've seen two straight losses, a team that was 10-1, and Chris. Yeah. Two straight losses. The inability to get it done yesterday right. against the Chiefs. Are they done? Are the Patriots done? They're not done. They're not. Uh, and I'm never going to count the Patriots out. You know, they're just it's. What would it take for you to say they're done? Um, Losing to the Bengals? <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, if they lost to the Bengals this week, I would go. Yep, it's over. They have no chance of making a run in the AFC playoffs. Um, but you know, they're just a, they're they're a coaching staff that's too smart. They're too creative. You know, Brady's still too smart and too good to where if they can just get Nikhil Harry moved along in this offense and Muhammad Sanu totally healthy uh and of course with Julian Edelman that I, I always have belief that they're going to find the right formula for their football team now you know the issue is yes Brady's not as good as he's been you know he's 42 the offensive line I think is really the big thing that scares me more than anything whether it's pass protection or the inability to control the line of scrimmage in the run game and Mike to me the big thing is they know it, which is weird. We're in the middle of December. It's very weird that we're talking about the Patriots in a work in progress with anything in December. But I think they know. You know, calling two trick plays yesterday, that, 
Belichick challenging a Sammy Watkins third down catch where there was really no clear-cut camera angle but challenging it those little just inklings showed me that you know they realized like oh man we can't blow this situation or we got to take advantage of this right here we so I you know I yes they're not I, it's just weird they were questioning them. Yeah, I you know their their schedule wasn't good this year. They dominated a very poor schedule, and now it's almost like I don't know where to kind of put them in the AFC as far as how good they really are. They still won the division because the Bills are only a game behind. They do have the Bengals on the road this week, then a Saturday home game against the Bills. Yeah, the Bills that can won't still be easy. catch them. Right, week seventeen, the Dolphins come to town, and you know, hey, what would Brian Flores love? Oh, to do. If he, could, if he could be, yeah. if he could be the fly in the ointment, right. the the wrench in the gears that keeps the Patriots from winning the division or clinching a, a bye, and they they have had a bye every year since 2010. Yeah, it's and crazy. they've been in the AFC Championship game every year since 2011, and it really is in question now. And and you do have to wonder. And it's not like we're gonna we're gonna throw dirt on the Patriots, but. What we saw yesterday was stunning yeah. in the aftermath of the loss to the Texans. Right. And we see those plays where Tom Brady just kind of bails out and throws the ball. And I look, the guy has played for 20 years. He's yep. 42. He has young, strong, large, fast men chasing him. I can understand his reluctance to get hit. He got sure. hit 12 times against the Texans, right. six more times against the Chiefs. And at some point, your self-preservation gene has to kick in. Definitely. But that, even that last throw, how many times have we seen a quarterback stand in there and know that hit's coming but want to deliver the most accurate throw possible with the game on the line, not the falling away, winging a prayer, yeah. hope my guy can Fall get down, it. You stand there and deliver it, and you yeah. know you're going to take the hit. Yeah. He didn't stand there. And, and again, I wouldn't either. I would yeah. never do it once. No. He's been doing it for 20 years. But when I see that, it just makes me think, how close is Father Time yeah. to taking over? Little pieces of evidence. Yeah. That's that's really all it is. You're exactly right. And, and there was a handful of plays in the Houston Texans game, too. And again, when you're under duress, you're going to be flinchy. But there's been little pieces here and there of a lot of games with the, the, with the New England Patriots this year where, yeah, maybe there's a guy open. He aggressively flinches in the pocket because he thinks the pocket's about to collapse. And then, you know, when he does gather himself, the guy's not open anymore. And, you know, again, they are a work in progress totally on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not sure they can get it together. I know that staff will continue to tinker and work with it. Uh, Brady still is dangerous. His arm is still really good. There's no doubt about that. There's just so much pressure on their defense and special teams right now to win games. I mean, it's unbelievable. Really, you know, their, their first scoring drive, that happened, too, let's not forget, because of two big pass interference calls. That's how they got the ball down the field. So even, you know, in some of their successful drives yesterday, it was, you know, yeah, mistakes by the Kansas City Chiefs or whatever. Having said all that, they had chances to win the football game and got unlucky. I mean, that game was crazy where the Chiefs dominated the game and you go, man, the Chiefs should be winning like 30, 33 to 10 right now. And then you went from, man, New England got screwed over in two calls. They'd be winning this football game. Uh, so even when they're floundering, they still find ways to be a pain in your ass. Tom Brady was on WEEI this morning. He said he didn't get a ton of sleep last night, anxious to get in there, get back to work this morning. And he also addressed that issue of getting Oh, oh, no, being on the wrong end of the officiating calls, yeah. not getting booed. But, right. but but having those two calls that we talked about, he said when you play sports long enough, I think sometimes you're the recipient of things that go your way and you're on the other side of it too. For me, I don't think too much about it. I wish it would go our way. Unfortunately, they didn't. It doesn't take away from when you watch the game all the different things we had in our control that I wish we could have done right. better. So yeah, well you, you, can't, you, you don't make excuses for that yeah. because you know there's going to be games where it happens for you. Right. There's going to be games where it happens against you. Yep. you got to play well enough that you win even when it happens 
against you. All right, the Chiefs, you mentioned them briefly, but where do they go right. from here? They've won their division. Can they get a bye? Can they win on the road in the playoffs? If they have to go to Baltimore, a team that they beat in each of the last two regular seasons. I, I, I do think they can. I think that, you know, the Chiefs, the, this is what would be scary to me. I think their their offense, and I know you heard me say this a little last week, is something I kind of broke down on the podcast too. It's just they're 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 tinkering with their offense. They have realized that they can't get in the shotgun and just go, oh, Patrick Mahomes, drop back, and we'll send everybody deep, and you just throw lasers all over the field. No, the offense has kind of caught on to what they're doing. So they're trying to change their formula on the offensive side of the ball as far as running the ball a little bit more, more short passes to bring the defense up, to open up some of the deep passes. I think we saw some of that yesterday. Uh, Patrick Mahomes certainly underneath the center more. I'm encouraged by their defense, Mike. I really am. And I've been saying this for a few weeks. You know I have been. You know, even last week, you know, again, hey, they beat the Oakland Raiders 40-9. to You know, you say what you want. I mean, it's 40-9. to They let up nine points. And, yeah, Josh Jacobs ran for 100 yards in that game. It was all on one big run. They always have one mistake every game. That's been their biggest flaw. But, man, Chargers in Mexico City, only 17 points. Raiders, nine points. New England Patriots, 17 points. You know, there's some evidence, even the Tennessee Titans game where they lost 35-32, there was some really strong moments in that game as well. Uh, I think Steve Spagnuolo is very creative, and you know they're healthy on that side of the ball. Their secondary is better than years past, and Frank Clark and Chris Jones can be game wreckers that we saw a little bit last yesterday in that game. Uh, so where I feel good about the Chiefs. I mean, I, I would not be shocked if the Chiefs ended up in the Super Bowl. I just would not, not in the AFC. You know, I think they match up well with the Ravens. They're scary for the Ravens. I think the Ravens are better, obviously. But in a one-game scenario, I mean, Mahomes gets on fire. Who knows? And uh, I think they're very scary. We went from thinking it's going to be Patriots-Chiefs in the AFC Championship game to thinking it's going to be Patriots-Ravens right. to now this sense that maybe it's going to be Ravens-Chiefs very, very playing for the birth in Super Bowl yeah. 54. All right, two teams that will not be playing for a birth in the Super Bowl anytime soon, the Dolphins and the Jets. We mentioned them only because – the game ultimately was decided by a decision to drop a flag for pass interference on a throw uh, from Jets quarterback Sam Darnold that it, it was questionable, especially in light of the standard that we've seen all year where the bar was higher. At some point before week one, someone told Al River on the senior VP of officiating to push the bar higher. And it feels like at some point in recent weeks, the bar's it's gone lower down, again. Right. Now, River on said after the game, the bar hasn't changed. But in that... In that Miami-New York game, he did drop a flag via replay review. It gave the Jets the chance to win the game with a field goal. Outcome determinative call, and I didn't expect it. I did not expect it after the way it had been earlier this year. I don't like the fact that someone's not being honest with us. you know. But, but it tells me that as we get closer to the postseason, maybe was, this is what they needed to do. They went through that stretch of the season where they didn't apply it aggressively. And now that that you, you can't just turn it back on in the playoffs, yeah. you have to kind of ease it back on. So there's some genius to this because then by the time the playoffs roll around, we'll know what the rules are. And the rules are it may be called. You have to be ready for it. But it does have that kind of magic eight ball eight ball vibe to it. We joke about that, but it really does feel like you don't know. Like with with any other replay ruling, you you know. 95% of the time at least before they tell you yeah. what it is because we've seen the replay over right, and over again right. with this we just don't know no we don't we don't because uh yeah it it just it, it's annoying to me this whole thing and i don't necessarily i don't agree with that call 
you know, in the Jets-Dolphins game yesterday. I don't. You know, and good for the Jets. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. They fought hard, and that was a big drive to win the football game and kick the field goal. But, you know, that's a bang-bang play. You know, we're watching it in slow motion. You know, that, that's the other thing we got to take, you know, take into account. And, yeah, I think the frustrating thing for me is, you know, we sit there with Coach Dungy and Rodney and, you know, Mike Tirico and the rest of the crew all day Sunday, and we see some plays and we go, oh, my gosh, that was pass interference. Holy cow. And nothing happens. Right. And then we see other plays are go, oh, that was close. And all of a sudden it's the definitive pass interference. And you just so I don't know where to go from there. I do think it's like absolutely erroneous to say nothing has changed. It certainly has changed. I mean, it's, this is the third time it's changed. It went from preseason to moving the bar to it has to be so obvious it's pass interference. It's ridiculous to get called to now it looks like they're kind of calling it by the letter of the law yeah. a little bit more. Back to where our Riveron was before the season right, started. Right, exactly, right. So, um, yeah, the, the, this whole thing is a little frustrating. And maybe somewhere they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to raise the bar so it's not something that becomes the big talking point. Week one, two, three, four, five. Where we're going to raise the bar, and there's going to be some confusion. But then, just then, we're going to ease it back in, almost like the Todd Gurley workload. We're going to ease it back in before the playoffs, because that's when we really need to use it. Because that's when the the failure to have a mechanism in place to fix a bad call of pass interference, a non-call of pass interference, is the kind of thing that can blow everything up like it did last year, Ram Saints. Yeah, well, either way, I don't like it. Yeah. The experiment has right. failed. It's time to come up with something else. Sky judge, sky judge, sky judge. All right, last topic. Hey, sky judge, sky judge. Last topic. Odo Beckham Jr. Yeah. We, we heard some of the chatter last week. He had that vague response to a question about his future in Cleveland. Then came the story from Mary Kay Cabot, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, that according to the name sources, he's being wasted in a dysfunctional offense. Then came the news he needs. Sports hernia surgery. Then came Jay Glazer's report that Odell Beckham Jr. is telling people from other teams, coaches, and players he wants out of Cleveland. It looks like he's not going to be with the Browns next year. Well, yeah, I don't know what to think of it there. You know, again, I mean, have they optimized what they thought or uh, optimized what they could get out of Odell Beckham Jr. in that offense? Certainly not. Who's Uh, to blame? Freddie Kitchens? Well, I I think it has to start there. Yeah, it starts there. You know, it goes uh, it goes to Baker Mayfield, too. I think who's missed him a few, you know, a few times in every game. And then I'm going to put a little blame on Odell Beckham Jr. for not being there in OTAs and things like that, too. So it goes around. Don't don't get me wrong. You know, I love OBJ, uh, but I'm not going to be painful to you. Well, yeah, twice in one day, you've called out your heroes. Well, yeah, you've told Aaron Rodgers that the scotch bit is overplayed. (laughs) And now you're saying that OBJ should have been there for the offseason. If I can't be real with those two guys who know that I am the president of both of their fan clubs and nobody can be real with them. That's all I'm trying to say there. But uh, I, I guess the one, listen, I knew he was banged up. I had heard from a lot of people that he was never, he hasn't been 100% healthy the whole year. He was bit bat- battling with th- things in, in preseason when I was there during training camp. And then, you know, I think the thing that troubles me the most is just the Jay Glazer stuff. Jay is connected. Jay talks to a lot of players. He's got a lot of coaches. There, he's heard this somebody from somebody directly, and yeah, it doesn't take much. It doesn't. Now, all take it takes much. is Beckham saying it to one of the one people who's on or, who's on Glazer's network, and, and well, there yeah, it is. It could be, and Jay, Jay's tentacles reach out farther than that. They do because he's 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 involved with a lot of players with off the field training and things like that too. So, you know, that's to me where it is a little bit troubling. Uh, I would think Odell would be happy in Cleveland from the standpoint of there's a lot of things to be happy about as far as the future there. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I still believe in him. He's there in a locker next to his best friend. 
and Jarvis Landry. You know, there's talent on that offense. Nick Chubb is arguably the best running back in football. So, um, you know, and we'll see what happens with the coaching, you know, their coaching department. I don't know. It, it That's going like, to be a factor. I think that will be a big factor. Because I think he desperately wants to create something like the Patriots or just play for the Patriots. But he sees how buttoned up the Patriots organization is, and he sees how undisciplined the Browns are. And, and look, I, I want to go a level higher. Yeah. I mean, John Dorsey is a great identifier of talent. He is. But you also have to be somebody who understands how all that talent is going to operate when you put it into a locker room and you shake it up. Yeah. Right. They all that you have to you have to have a team. Right. You have to have and we said this about the Cowboys last week that the Jerry and Steven Jones have put together a great group of talented players, but the whole is not greater than the sum of the parts. That's what you need. And there's too many dysfunctional personalities yeah. in that Cleveland locker room. And when you throw a a head coach who's admittedly learning on the fly, right. that's not the way to get the best possible team. No, yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, I, I think um, to your point, you know, that those are the decisions that, that John Dorsey's going to have to make, you know, after the season. Because I do think, you know, uh, with Freddie Kitchens learning on the fly, and I think John Dorsey was put in a tough spot, one. You know, he couldn't let Freddie Kitchens just walk out the door and go somewhere else. Because if he went somewhere else and had another great year as an offensive coordinator, everybody in the world would have gone, hey, what the hell? Why didn't we keep Freddie Kitchens? He's an offensive exactly. mind. He knows how to work with Baker right. Mayfield, everything like that. Well, here's the danger. So, if you hire a defensive coach last year yeah. and and it keeps working, yeah. then this is the year that you lose Freddie Kitchens. Like, what the hell? That too. And, exactly and, I, and right. I argued in favor of that. Just exactly. go ahead and make the guy the coach. Exactly But right. you also have to right. know when to pull the plug. Yes, right. And, and I would think that that is certainly a big conversation with the Cleveland Browns right now, whether, you know, Freddie Kitchens is that right guy to lead them into the future. And maybe, you know, if, if, if not, yeah, they need to find that personality who can blend the locker room together and pretty much say, hey, no, I'm the new sheriff in town. You know, I love all your guys' personalities, but we're going to keep it in check right here we're not going to cross this line like baker you will not be talking about the training staff and you know you shouldn't have to tell him that. i i get it i know he just he's young and I he's honest here i don't care i Look, know you can be honest and still be and I he's mean, trying to stick up for odell that's what he's really trying I, I to know, do i know but but look and and we hear we hear about this with the eagles it's 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 emotional intelligence yeah and i thought baker mayfield got it he's still immature and you wonder how much of it is immaturity and how much of it is he's just an asshole yeah right yeah it's, there's a chance he's just an asshole yeah i don't that's, know those are yeah. things assholes say right we're a lot look yeah. I, I know we like baker mayfield yeah. and we like to have access to him right but let's be real if he's going to be real we're going to be real. what he said yesterday is something an asshole says so either he's immature and he doesn't realize he said something assholeish yeah or he's an asshole yeah i i would go with Im immature you know, I think he's got just the right I'm amount. I'm starting to think he's an asshole. Well, I think he's got just the right amount of asshole, why we're saying this word so much on PFTOT today. I'm really enjoying it. To be a really great quarterback. I don't think he is a true all-around life asshole. I don't. I think he's just young. He's brash. You know, he's a Texas gunslinger and went to Oklahoma and won the Heisman and everything's kind of been good the last few years. And this is the first year he's had to deal with some skepticism and people questioning him and everything like that. And, yes, he just hasn't handled it all perfectly. That's that's the biggest problem. But I, I still love not, him as a quarterback. I'm not ready to go down and, asshole and, and, lane and, 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 like and you, you need yet. to have asshole right. tendencies to run a team. Yes. You, you need to be able to yell and right. scream at the right time. Right. But you can't go up and calmly call out the training staff. Right. That is that that's a dick move. It, it is. You know, but it to, is. But to me, so again, he's either immature, he's an asshole, or he's a dick, it's or immature, some combination of the three. It's immature because we've heard coming out in the draft too that 
you couldn't he was the most well-liked quarterback anybody had ever seen by the training staff at Oklahoma the weight staff all of them they loved him yeah he never called any of them out well publicly. no I think you know and again I think he loves the training staff there in Cleveland I think he just went overboard with trying to kind of deflect some criticism of Odell Beckham Jr. and it just went wrong and that that's really where I'll leave it yeah I I Look, I hey, you again, know what? we love Baker Mayfield. We're, we're just trying, we're trying to, we're trying to, you know what? Yeah. Because the thing is, I don't think he's got anybody in that organization that, you know, is, is going to be as candid as we are. No, I think we're trying to do him a favor here because right. I think they yeah, need like somebody. And, and here's the other thing too. Here's the other thing too. Don't assume, jo- I, I think John Dorsey has a role with the Browns, but think about the stories that we've heard when they've made their past two coaching hires. Paul DePodesta wanted Sean McDermott. Dorsey wanted Hugh Jackson. Yeah. How did that work out? Yeah. Dorsey wanted Freddie Kitchens. Dee Podesta wanted Kevin Stefanski. How's that working out? I just wonder at what point Dee Podesta is going to acquire more influence in the organization, whether yeah. or not ownership should put him in a spot where you, you just try you try to work it out just right. Sure. Because John Dorsey is a great identifier and evaluator of talent. Great eye. What kind of a team builder is he, though? Yeah, right. And maybe you need to rely on somebody else to help – be the guy that's to, the, to build the, the team that's going to work together. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Anyway, I get you. That's good. And you know what? Something's holding the Browns back. You, you're an asshole, and I'm proud of it. Yep, I know. I've been an asshole for a long time. You are. You're the king of assholes. Hey, it's gotten me this far. <laughs> Why stop now? Everybody have a great day. We'll uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. We, we need to come up with a show that works in the word like asshole and friends. I think we can work think it that out. Would work? Don't worry, you All know right. it. Uh, everybody have a great day. We'll see you Tuesday. Chris and an asshole. I'm an asshole. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.